Hi, I'm Shane Twist and welcome to Behind the Beef, a podcast that gives you a look behind the scenes and into the everyday activities of the people behind the beef. If you have been tuning into the podcast for a while, you would know that we have released a couple of episodes catered to sales season and how best to prepare for that important time of the year as Angus producers. Today's episode is another guide in relation to sale catalogues and we will be joined by friend to the podcast, Sam Hamilton, marketing officer sale catalogues, as well as newbie to the podcast, but someone members would be familiar with, senior member services officer, Tammy McLeod. This episode will be the last focusing on sale catalogues and rounds out our guides to your sale day from the perspective of a producer who is hosting the sale. It highlights the importance of the DNA services of Angus Australia and how your prep for your sale can go wrong if you are not prepared, as well as the recommended timeline you should be working to to ensure that you are ready to go on sale day. This episode is great for the Angus Seedstock producer, particularly those who are undertaking this period for their first sale, but also those who need a refresher on how the most effective way of approaching DNA and sale catalogues is in the lead up to their sales. So whether or not you are a member who runs a bull sale year in, year out, or a new member looking to run a bull sale, have you ever given much thought into how far in advance for your bull sale you should start planning? Do you think it begins when you put together your bull sale lot list and submit the data to Angus Australia? The answer is the planning process really should start well in advance. That is as far back as when you're registering those calves that you may wish to sell in 12 to 24 months time. The reason being is that Angus Australia has regulations relating to DNA that can affect preparation of your sale catalogues down the track. So to start off, we welcome back Sam and welcome to the podcast, Tammy. Welcome to the podcast, Tam and Sammy. Thanks. Oh, Tam and Sammy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still week. the same. It's still my name, technically, <laughs> so it doesn't matter. But it's a mashup of Sammy and Tammy. <laughs> I should start again by saying welcome, Tammy and Sam. Thank Sam, you. welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. for the first time. Thank you. Can you introduce yourselves and your role at Angus Australia? I'm Tammy McLeod. I'm the senior MSO. And I've been with Angus Australia this time round for nearly four years, previously seven year stint. And what does your role consist of? Uh, at the moment, I'm processing most of the DNA results coming in from the lab, sending that out to the members, any hard sort of regos come my way and training the team um, to be able to process all aspects of MSO work. Great. And Sam? Did you want my full name, address and our date of birth? <laughs> do, do your name will do and your title, thanks. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, my name's Sam and I am uh, in marketing officer at Sale Catalogues. I've been with Angus Australia since 2014, so I'll be eight years in August. Um, you might as well say I started from the bottom and went across. <laughs> so I was a member services officer and went up and then went across with them, so... Hence one bit, I'm a lot familiar with the processes in the member services team. I have a bit more of an understanding. So 
when I do get those tricky questions, I'm actually able to guide them a bit better instead of doing the whole, here, talk to the member services. I'll, I'll try and give them the information first and then um, I get them to contact member services if they need to. So today we're going to be just covering off DNA and the relation to sale catalogues and the whole process that members have to go to when preparing for their sale. So to start off, I thought we should just cover off some general DNA questions so that people are across making sure that they've got their DNA done correctly. So, Tammy, what are the DNA requirements that apply when registering calves in Angus Australia's Herd Book Register, Angus Performance Register, Angus Commercial Register or the Multi-Breed Register? Okay, we'll start off with going size born pre-2018 to must have a profile on the database for their calves to be registered. Um, after that, anything born after 2018 must have a minimum of 5,000 SNPs. And then we get into the AI and ET size born after 2018. They also need to have the nine genetic conditions tested that we monitor. Donor dams are pretty much the same. Pre-2018, they just need a DNA profile on the database. Afterwards, they will need a minimum of 5,000 SNPs as well. So that's your genomic test, the HD50K or the Angus GS. And what modifications can be made to existing registrations? Okay, so any sex changes before the calf is 24 months of age will be fine to go through. Otherwise, once they're over 24 months of age, they'll need a sire verification. And if there's a change to a sire or dam, they will need to be parent verified as well. Great. So for each of you, what do you find is the most common oversight from members when they're preparing for a sale? Not being organised is pretty much the biggest one. Not leaving enough time for the DNA testing to be processed for then Sam to do the catalogue. So working back from their sale date, how far ahead should members be looking to submit their DNA and taste data? Ideally, I think samples being taken at weaning would be a great idea. Um, send them in, get the DNA testing sorted so the genomics are in for the EBVs any parentage can be sorted out and then you can, I suppose, select your bulls from the testing and then Sam's ready to go with the catalogues. Yeah, I guess um, just following on from that, the sooner to get that stuff in, the better. Weaning is probably the most ideal just for that because we have had a few cases in the past where they've been left a month before a sale or two months before a sale, send a sample in and then it's either come back, that's not the sire or we need another, like there needs to be a recollect or something to that effect. So it's quite vital that you do get, I suppose it's kind of good for yourself too in your herd just to get it in early and get that sorted as well for you when you go to put your list together of your um, sale lots just so you know what you've gotten, whatever you need to pull out and put in too. And I guess the thing is too, once your genomics come back, it needs to go through a taste run before you'll get your figures updated as well. So leaving it short will... Yeah, because when you get your results back, that does actually play into effect to when it's going to hit into that actual analysis too, because you might get it back, say, on the Tuesday, the 27th or something like that, and then think, oh, well, you know, that'll go into that run, but then you have to wait when that coincides to whether what run that actually falls into to when that dart because that's the thing it still needs to go through an analysis as well so timing is of the essence so if we're working back from their sale date what are the important milestones they should be hitting say six or eight weeks out from the taste run get that dna in would be uh, the first place to start 
And then it's kind of hard to try and guide people with what they should do because they've also got to fit in with um, the guys who go out and do all the assessments. So your structural and your, um, your scanning data and stuff like that. So it's, I guess, trying to work that in with those guys that go and do that as well because they're booked out quite a lot, like quite far in advance too. So it's because that information, obviously people want that in there. Um, analysis for the EBVs to get a bit more accuracy and all that and to show it into the traits observed so I guess they're my two key things yeah and being mindful of the tastes when the deadline is for the taste data to come into the office and the time we have to process it and when the results come out as well which those dates are all available on the Angus Australia website. So how do they submit data with Angus Australia? Okay, so first we need your calves to be registered. So you can either send them in on a registration form or Excel or through your herd management programs. Next step is to collect your samples and complete the DNA request form. So that can be done electronically or on paper as well. And then taste data can also come in on paper or electronic as well. What do people need to ensure they have completed when submitting their data to ensure that it is a smooth process and goes through as they want it to? Everything is checked twice I suppose is a good start. Um, A little trick with the TSUs as well that on the bottom they've got a QR code and it actually could read a different number to what's on the visual Um, TSU so be mindful of that a little barcode scanner like a little retail scanner they're the bomb everyone should have one Um, so getting that right just means that the samples will go through the office quicker they usually the day they arrive in the office is the day that we like to get them out to the lab so if all that is in order the sooner that they go so I guess it's checking data twice to make sure everything's right Um, samples there's no empty vials of TSUs um and then, yeah, everything should come back. I was actually going to say in regards to the TSUs, um, it is quite important to actually, like we said, make sure you get it in in good time because there has been a cases in your team, Tammy, where there has been vials that have come through and they've been empty and that's not something you want when your sale's two months out that's um, because right. then you need to get more. So it does happen and it happens to every other member too. It's not just a particular person but it's just something to be mindful of is just to kind of cross your t's and dot your i's when it comes to that sort of stuff just to allow for instances such as that as well so yeah like we double check them but if they're good when they come in the sooner that they go out when submitting data what are some issues that might factor in and how does this affect their timeline for example sample recollects okay so if we receive a no result from the lab so we've checked the sample before it's gone to the lab and we think it's viable to be tested obviously we're not lab technicians to know for sure a sample will receive a result so it's six to eight weeks from the time we send the sample out of the office to when we receive results back so then we could still get a no result on that sample so you'd be off collecting another sample and going through the whole process again so um that's like the sooner the test dna can come into the office that can all be fixed up before you're running short on time for your catalogues. If people are stuck with collecting DNA, where can they find further information or get more support? You can always contact the office. The MSO team can help you out. The website um, of the tab registrations DNA, there's a little bit of information in there on how to collect samples, um, poor correct hair sample, etc.
What flow and effects can be seen if you don't get your DNA in at appropriate timeframes when it comes to your sale catalogs? There's quite a lot of flow and effects in that regard. Um, there's been a few instances where the DNA has been sent in two months out from a sale and then we actually had a case recently where one of the uh, bulls um, didn't qualify to any of the size and that bull, um, in that result, that bull was made unregistered and um, we advised that person not to sell said bull. The market now is pushing the parent verifications or the sire verifications and it's, it is a case of buyer beware. Um, we've been trying to make a lot more people who either put catalogs together for themselves or a designer to try and make sure that all the information for an animal is readily available on that animal um, because there has been some repercussions and that has all come down to misinformation. Um, so, you know, it's quite important that whoever's buying the cattle, the bulls, etc., you know, they do their homework, but it's quite also important for the people who's selling it as they're marketing their animals to ensure that they're, like I said, crossing their T's and dotting their I's for legal repercussions potentially. And like we've said, that starts way, way back at the beginning. Well, I actually calculated it. I'm pretty sure it was nine months to prepare for a sale and that's submitting your DNA, waiting for the results to come back, the taste run, and then, you know, putting the catalogue together and things like that too. The next step with the taste submission deadline looming, why is it important to have your submissions in at this point? Just so that you've got time. Well, actually, leading on from that, we've actually had um, a few members where they've missed actually putting in like a 600-day wait, for instance. And then I've put the catalogue together. Oh, my weights are missing. They haven't been included. So I guess that's why we're kind of pushing the point to get your stuff in early um, so that in this instance where, you know, you've missed that run, you can still submit them but yet you can, they'll be in the next run, if that makes sense. So it's calculating the time properly for when your sale is to where, you know, the taste run is and when, you know, you're going to be able to submit your weights or your scanning data and your structural information and stuff like that is quite vital for that reason because it's the same as DNA. You miss, you know, you might have a recollect, you've still got time to amend the error, if that makes sense. So I guess try and get nearly two three months in advance for your taste starter. It's not as vital as what DNA is because DNA, you need that time. Whereas there's always with taste, there's always that mid, there's your initial run and then your mid run for that month. So you do have a bit of leeway there. Whereas with DNA, you don't really. When it comes to the catalogue production and when your results become available, why is it important to be aware of the published deadline and when it comes to receiving your result? From our perspective, um, producing the catalogues for people, At this point, um, we're experiencing a lot of requests. So um, right now, I'm actually a week out from producing a catalogue for somebody. Um, So I think from wanting, when you want your catalogue to go to print to be distributed for people to see it, you nearly need to contact us to check how far out we are or whether we're like, you know, got a lot of stuff on or something, you know, it's, you got to do it because that's the thing. Like I can only do my best um, when I receive the information. But if people are deliberately leaving it for a particular run because they haven't been organised, like it's going to bite and it's the long and the short of it. Have it at least printed and out on the 1st of May or something to that effect if your sale's going to be in June. Um, why leave it till mid-May 
and then get your catalog printed. People got three weeks to look at it. That's just my perspective. Like if I could tell everyone, do this, do that, but it's whatever works for them really too. But from a marketing point of view, you, you want, you want your bulls to sell. Like, you know, we can put it online and that's a good form of everyone looking at it. But a physical catalog is also your promotion as well. Everyone loves a glossy catalog. Oh, I love it myself, like yeah. looking through it. <laughs> but no, it's, like that's the thing. It's it's there in front of you. You don't have, like, internet's down. You don't have to get on, like, just open up the magazine and everyone's carting them around in their utes and back pockets and things like that. Like, it's all about getting your name out there too, I suppose. Like, but that's the thing. If you're organised as a stud and have all your, you, you, you've got everything sorted, like, you're going to set yourself up for a good sale too and, a, like, a smoother process. And the figures won't change that much between the runs. Then oh, definitely not. sorted, yeah. No, there's, like, I've only seen, like, a, like a mild change between figures when, like, when shading the EBVs and stuff like that. But um, it's not – the only time you're going to see a big substantial change is when you lead submitting that taste data too late. Yeah, or a change in sire comes through Oh, for yeah, DNA. that's right. Yep. That's another thing people got to take into consideration is that as soon as that sire or dam changes, the EBVs are going to change significantly as well. And that's probably a close they should put in their catalogue too. For the both of you, what are some handy hints you can provide members to streamline their DNA, taste and catalogue processes prior to their sales? We can start with you, Tammy. What is the checklist that you think is the best way that people can streamline their process when it comes to submitting their DNA and getting it ready for their sale? Be organised. Collect your DNA as soon as you can. Um, Weaning, even why not when you tag them at birth, do a TSU then. Um, Be mindful of the taste deadlines as well. Um, to get your data in so DNA comes back as well. Rego's in on time as well. Just make crossing those T's and dotting the I's. So then once it, you've got your catalogue ready for Sam, everything's smooth. Yeah. Just agreeing with Tammy there, but I guess um, if you're not sure about the process, ring us up and be informed. Let us, like, you know, contact us. If you're not sure about the dates, you're not sure about what you should be doing, what the process is, don't just um, wing it. Because, you know, there's, I'm pretty sure a lot of people have seen a catalogue where an animal's been lately registered or they've only just found the sire or something to that effect and there's been no EBV data in there. And, you know, and people, not, they're not a fan of that. So I guess, yeah, if, like, be organised and that's the thing. And if you aren't sure, um, you know, get informed, ring us up and ask us. Um, like, we're only too, more than too happy to ring up and guide people through what to do. But it's quite a scary, like, if you sit down and have a look at that table like of the timeline, yeah, it's quite a scary thing to look at because nearly long and the short of it is as soon as those calves are born, they need to be starting getting prepped for being sold, which I'm sure, you know, everyone's feeding and fattening them up and getting them looking good and things like that. Yeah. But like data's the th- – now this tight day and age, data's what's selling them. So you would nearly think, you know, registering would be the priority and then DNA – and then getting your scanning data and your taste stuff submitted. That's nearly how it should flow on. You know, don't send your DNA in and the carbs aren't registered because you've got nothing to attach your DNA sample to. And then same with your taste data. And if there's problems with registrations, then it can be sorted out at an earlier Well, and that's another thing too, because like you said earlier, when it comes to, um, so if you register them and then you put your sale list together, of your what you're going to sell and you go through and you check them out and you think oh that's a female that shouldn't be a female but it's over 24 months of age yeah oh now i'm gonna to have to collect a dna sample for the dam and the sire oh that dam's dead oh 
I guess that's why we're trying to prompt people to do to check everything prior because these things do pop up you know not every single animal out there is going to live in your paddock actually I did tell someone when you get everything through to needle them or weigh them or do whatever you need to do pull a hand sample and send it in and put it in storage yeah no definitely. it doesn't cost them at this point for that for the instance such as that where something's dead oh so many dead people but, <laughs> things. but then you've also got your snip counts and things are ever changing too yes and that's where I think, like, the genomic profiles come into play, that base panels, everyone's had to upgrade how many times from a base panel. And that's another thing, like, if they come back with a low-density profile and we can't qualify them. Mine's from a DNA point of view, being an ex-MSO. Yes. Mine's from a DNA point of view, and I gave this... It's like dispersals. I give this advice to one lady, and um, she was wondering whether or not to do her whole entire herd like um, get DNA in and PV everything or so I verify everything. And my advice to her was to do what she could, um, but for those that she couldn't, because that's the thing, time was getting away as well. And I, my advice to her was, because she hadn't registered the calves yet and she was going to wean them, and I said, when you bring them all in, bring obviously because you're going to have to separate them from their mothers too at the same time, do your hair samples for everything then. And then, you know, you don't have to send the damn away if you don't want to pay, like don't want to have to pay for the test but at least put the store the hair sample in storage so then whoever buys you know the dam and then it there was ET, oh, there was something along those lines I don't know she might have been selling carbs at foot yeah I can't quite remember how it went but my advice to her was get samples for the dams because down the track with the way DNA is going and the, how it's been pushed for the market, for everything to be PV'd now, it'd be more beneficial for her to make sure there was a sample here in storage so that basically she could wipe her hands of the stud and not have people contacting her six months down the track. Oh, do you happen to have a sample or know of anyone who has this particular feed? Like this instance and where we need a sample or something. Like cases in the past where people have bought calves and they haven't parent verified to the dams like, yeah and that's it and that's where yeah. this comes in handy because then you guys can go oh actually there's a sample here in storage that's really handy and then you know um yes because that's the thing if that say if that dam did have a, a snip count and it was say 2000 snips for in, like just for argument's sake and she died and then you had someone come through down the track oh we need to parent verify the dam to the calf oh we can't do it because the snip count's too low yeah we can always pull that sample out of storage yeah, yeah. exactly so Mine's from a de- my is from a DNA point of view. I guess it kind of rolls into that because we are talking about DNA, and um, yeah, that's I guess that's a key point for people who are looking at dispersing as well. Like down the track, if they think, oh well, five years time I'm going to disperse or something, you know, pull hair samples now on everything you've got. Put them send in a it in box. Yeah. Doesn't matter even yep. like, and then send them in. Yep, they'll keep exactly. Forever. Yep, and it doesn't cost to put it into storage here, and then and then that's the thing. And then when you do decide, you know, that's my time. I've had my start. So time for someone else to do it. No one's going to ring you up and torment you because that's what happened once and it wasn't fun being that person chasing those people up. That's for sure. And I guess it'd get annoying too for the person who thought, oh, yeah, everything's done. I can, you know, especially if there's instances why you had to actually suddenly disperse, I suppose, you know. That's a good one, Sam. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Register your carbs in advance. (laughs) That's my tip. (laughs) Members pay an inventory fee and basically what they're paying for is to – 
not only keep the cow active, they're paying for the calf by the cow. So, you know, there's no reason why you're not you're not missing out on anything. Like you're not got anything to lose by not registering a calf. Like even if the calf's dead, because in all honesty, the calving ease, the birth weight, even if it was dead, it was a pull, anything like that, it does go towards the cow. And it also goes towards the site, EBV wise. So it all it all goes around in a circle. So it does account for something recording that information. It's all contributing to the reference population. Well, it, it does. And like and I said. And if you leave it over twelve months of age, then you get whacked a eleven dollar late fee. Like, you know, that car that cow might have had a crack and bull calf, you know, that season and it wasn't really nice looking. But this is the thing. You can't count chickens before they hatch because it could turn into a really good Crack and bull. All we want to do is help people. <laughs> so we're not pulling our hair out. I'm going grey and I'm only 31. <laughs> oh, honey. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> I do have a final question for the both of you. Sam is aware of this one, but Tammy, unfortunately, sorry to spring this on you, but how do you have your steak? Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> Medium. <laughs> no sauce or anything? Oh, I like a bit of Diane sauce. Mm-hmm. Mashed potato, always mashed with steak. If you go to a pub, do you order that or do you get the chicken snitty? Oh, I do like a bit of fish though too. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, I don't like it unless it's fresh caught fish. Yeah, I like salmon. So. Do you? Hmm. I Sometimes have... I think I can cook a better steak at home. Well, so. that's well, why, yeah. yeah. It's not often yeah. that I do because I think oh, I've got some good steak at home. Yeah. Mm. Oh, fresh off your bloody place though. <laughs> Yeah, well, <laughs> meanwhile, the rest of us have to go to uh, their local Jackson's down the road. and Hence, yeah. I don't order lamb when we go out. Oh, There's plenty of lamb in my freezer. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> lamb's not even the size of your palm of your hand nowadays, though. So good, but... Oh, it's delicious. I love it. <laughs> so how do you have your steak, Sam? <laughs> I'm a medium rare girl. Um, I like all kinds of sauce. I'm a bit of a fan of chimichurri at the moment. But for all you steak players out there... I'm going to give you a little handy hint here for a tenderizer. Uh, coffee, ground coffee, and you put it on both sides of your steak. Mm-hmm. Well, put it this way: if you're eating Angus, it shouldn't need tenderizing. But if you happen to, you know, going out camping and you can't do the whole, you know, Angus steak wayside, but yeah, ground coffee and you put it on both sides and you barbecue it. You can't taste the coffee, but it really does tenderize the meat. I've done it, tried and tested. Thanks for the tip for that one. That's I've okay. never tried it. Well. Never really had to. You'll have to get me more often. I'll give you a few more cooking tips. Yeah, I'll have to get you on for a segment. Yeah, I'll give you heaps of cooking (laughs) tips. My mum's a chef, so, you know. It'd be good to get some um, tips out for our loyal listeners. Oh, we need a little segment for Sam's cooking tips. Yeah, we'll think about it for future episodes. (laughs) SCTs. (laughs) Great. Well, thank you for joining the podcast today and giving us some insight into DNA and sale catalogues. And where can members contact you if they need to inquire about anything we've spoken about today? You can send me an email at sam at angusaustralia.com.au or you can call me. I don't know what the number is, but <laughs> I, don't have I don't know what my number is, but you can, but I imagine they'll find me on the website. Great. And Tammy? My email address is tammy.mcleod at angusaustralia.com.au. And yeah, if anybody has any questions, make sure you reach out to the relevant staff members. So thanks again, guys. Thank Thank you. Thanks, Sam. Fun. Thanks, matey.
And that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks to my guests for joining me today for the podcast. And if you want to hear our other episodes focusing on sale catalogue production and sale catalogues on sale day, check out Behind the Beef episodes 14 and 17 respectively. For our recommendation this month, Angus Australia would like to invite seed stock and commercial breeders to attend Angus Connect Autumn 2022, exploring the ever-evolving space of genomic solutions for commercial production. Angus Connect Autumn 2022 will be held on the Angus Australia YouTube channel from 7pm on Thursday the 26th of May and will showcase the launch of the second generation of Heifer Select. Topics on the evening will include the official launch of Heifer Select Generation 2, the science behind Select, as well as a case study featuring producers utilising Heifer Select, from the paddock to the lab practicality, validation the proof in the pudding, and new developments in the commercial genomic space. The online event will be followed by a facilitated online discussion session on Friday, May 27th, whereby interested participants have the opportunity to ask questions of presenters and provide feedback to Angus Australia and research staff on the content of the presentations. For further information regarding how to register for the online event and discussion session is available on the Angus Australia website. And that's all we have time for. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review the podcast and follow Angus Australia and Angus Youth Australia on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn. Thanks again and we'll catch you on the next one.